Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta Yardena Osband. Our daf of the day, Masachet Bavakama, daf kaf tet, page 29. So the beginning of 29, really quite a ways into Ahmed Aleph, we have an ongoing discussion coming off of the Mishnah, but also, you know, the discussion of the Mishnah that's really on the bottom of the previous daf, which it's enough of it that I don't want to read it. I just want to remind everybody that we're talking about the case in the Mishnah was somebody has a jug and a broke in the public domain, and then somebody comes and slips and the water from the jug, or could be injured from the, and we say, were they injured from the fall? Did the ground hurt them, right? Or what if they were injured on in the shards of the jug? And then in, under those circumstances, presumably the, and the stipulation in the Mishnah is that the owner of the jug is liable. Now, I want to move to the, a little bit of the way down from the top of a Aleph, where we have, you know, there's a machloket over what the, what the circumstances are of the case to be able to, I guess, justify the machloket about the the outcome of the case. So the first question, I don't know if it's the first question, the one I'm going to talk about first. Yeah, yeah, the one I'm going to talk about first. As I get organized here, I apologize. Pligay b'shat nefila. They have a disagreement over whether the damage was caused at the it was the damage was caused at the time that the person fell or right. And then when the person fell, right. So then if you stumble, you fall, you fall on the, on the, on the vessel, maybe that's what caused the jug to break. Right. Then we have an issue of negligence. Right. It's that, that stumbling exactly is the negligence. And then, then you have, well, then it's a case of negligence. So the stipulation here is, you know, or the machoket is whether there is negligence here in the carelessness that caused the person to stumble on the slippery or shards of, of jug to begin with, right? Meaning we're talking about the person who has fallen, not the broken jug that is there. And is that person then negligent in his own, I guess, guarding himself from not falling, right? Or do you say that the person who stumbles is not negligent and which I feel like is is the more sensible thing because I think we rarely would say, you know, oh, you're walking down the street and you tripped over something that's in the public domain and you were the negligent one because you weren't looking carefully, except for that that's exactly what the Gemara said yesterday. So this is the Machoket and it's set up it doesn't. It just says mar, right? Mar meaning like Mister. It doesn't tell us which is which, but we know because of elsewhere on the daf and yesterday's daf that the person who says love poshea is Reb Yehuda. That the person who says there's no negligence here. That the person walking without looking where he's going, or walking and looking where he's going and falling anyway, is not negligent. And the person who says that that person who fell is negligent, that's Rebbe Mayer. So that's the. Let's establish that that's. Machoket number one, their first dispute. Plige lacher nefila. So then the question is, if they're disagreeing about the where the damage took place after the person fall, person's fall, as opposed to at the time of the fall, which was the first suggestion, if the damage takes place after the fall, b'mafkir nizkav, nizakav, marasavar mafkir nizakav chayav, marasavar patur. So now we have a case where the damage is caused at the time of the person's fall. And what has happened, and it seems to all be very simultaneous here, 
Is it the person um, who owned the jug that fell, that broke, and so on, has declared it to be Hefker. He's renounced his ownership of the jug. So now you have this, you know, potentially hazardous item in the middle of the public domain that has no owner because the owner has renounced ownership. And the person has gotten damaged, the person who fell, right, um, has, uh, um, it takes place at, after the fall, right? So now what's going to happen, right? Presumably the person who had used to own the jug doesn't care about it anymore. It's broken. He has a renounced ownership. He doesn't hold on to the shards of a broken jug. So Rabbi Mayer says that when you renounce that ownership and it's this, you know, potential for causing damage, he would, that same previous owner now, would still have to pay the damages. And Rebuda says, no, he's exempt from paying damages because he doesn't own it anymore, right? Like, it's very nice and clean for Rebuda because, you know, it's straightforward. He's not the owner, except for I'm still wondering about the times, the time, the timeline of how these things come to be, that the person falls, the person renounces ownership. The thing breaks before he announces ownership or after or at that same time, which is when the first, the second guy comes and falls, right? So I, I'm not saying that it's quite that much of a chaos, but I'm curious, you know, like if we were going to make a video of this, um, you know, interlude in the public domain with a jug that falls and breaks, and we're going to use slow motion camera for the breakage of the drug, like we could do this really nice, really nicely. I'm, I'm curious when we would have the person renounce the ownership of the jug in in connection to the other guy falling. Okay. Now we get a little bit more into this and then I'm going to hand it over to you, Adina. Umimai, right? How do we know that we're talking about these two cases? Midikatani Tarte, the mission itself gives us these two cases of damage, possible, you know, as possible cases of damage, namely, um, meaning either the person slipped in the water or the person was injured by the shards of the jug. So the Gemara says, well, those are the same thing, right? Meaning they're not the same thing in terms of the injury to the person, but they're the same thing in terms of the level of responsibility for the person who had the jug because the water was in the jug. It was owned by that jug owner and also the shards were owned by the, right? So it all, what's the difference whether Meaning, from a practical halachic standpoint, what's the difference whether the person's injured from slipping in the water or from falling on the shards? So the Gemara wants to suggest that rather we need to rephrase this to say either the person slipped in the water at the time that the jug fell, that the water fell, like right away, or that the person, you know, later was injured by those shards after the person fell. And because of that, right, we're then establishing the, the dispute in a slightly different way. And so, therefore, the Gemara goes on to say, the same way that this Mishnah, meaning our Mishnah on the previous stuff, whatever, says that we have two different cases. So then we have to look at the, the dispute between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Huda, which we didn't really read carefully, meaning we didn't read inside, we kind of came in the middle of their machloket, um, and say that that breita also should be, you know, divided into these two cases, which affect the timeline, or pertain to the timeline of when the damage took place, and, you know, upon which element of the 
of the jug falling and breaking with liquid and so on, um, where what is that damage? Um, okay, and you know the rest of the gemara, of course, is going to go on to like affirm that these are the different elements of this kind of case, and you know we have a whole lot of questions about that. The gemara also raises the question of what happens if you know, for example, a camel falls. Now you have a whole different slew of questions about the ownership of the camel, of the carcass of the camel, if it's fallen and that, like, whatever, right? There's a lot of more details. The case of the jug and the water and the shards is relatively straightforward. It shouldn't surprise us that the Gemara is going to, you know, pile on after that. Uh, Look, I agree with you. I think the timing of the case is what's interesting here. You know, having a discussion about ownerless property still injuring somebody is a worthwhile discussion. But you would think timing would play into that a lot. And that just seems to like not completely be here. And that that's puzzling to me. I want to explore a little bit more this opinion of Rabbi Elazar, right, who does say that there is responsibility still for the owner of the. And, and you know, we saw that there's a machlokas between Rabbi Yochan and Rabbi Elazar about this. And the Gemara says the following, Umidu Rabbi Elazar Amar Chayav. Rabbi Elezer says that somebody is chayav, actually, in this case of ownerless objects. Rabbi Yochanan Amar Pator. Rabbi Yochanan must have been the one who says that you are Pator, that you do not have to pay. So how are they going to try to prove this, right? Umi Amar Rabbi Yochanan Hachi. Did Rabbi Yochanan really say this? Vahatznan. We learned in a Mishnah, and here they quote a Mishnah um, that's actually going to be on our next daf, on, on Lamed, which says the fan, Hamatznia et hakot ve'etazichuchit. If somebody hides a thorn or a shard of glass in a Rashud HaRabim, or if somebody makes his fence, uh, which, you know, goes right up against a Rashud HaRabim out of thorns, or a fence falls into the public domain, and somebody else is damaged by any of these, the owner is higher for them, right? So normally we said in a Rashud HaRabim, you're not, generally, you're not chayav, uh, right? You're not liable. But these are cases where you're sort of, you're you're making something or putting something there uh, that, like, isn't necessarily discernible to the public. So that's one reason why you would be, you know, why you would be, why you would be chayav, basically. Um, I'm a Rabbi Yochanan, but Rabbi Yochanan, when he explains uh, this Mishnah, specifically the case of the Fence of Thorns, Lo shanu right? They taught this that somebody who makes a fence out of thorns is chayav only when he projected the thorns into the rishud harabim, right? You could see the thorns in the rishud harabim. Aval but if he put them on his own property, the thorns pator, then he is pator. Um, and so this would seem to be that even if he were, you know, sort of said, "I don't have ownership of the area where the tips of the thorns go," right? which would be, you know, part of the street. Um, so if he didn't, you know, sort of relinquish ownership of that area, of course he would be exempt because he can claim that, you know, the person never should have gone into his property uh, altogether, right? That, of course, they shouldn't have been in, in his property. But the point here is, is that the way Rabbi Yochanan is explaining this particular case of the fence means he can only be uh, you know, if if it was in his, pro- if it's not in his property, uh, sorry, if it's in his property, then he obviously 
would be uh, he's pator. But if it's if it's facing the public domain, right, then in a way it's sort of he can claim it's ownerless and he's he's not chayev. That's, you know, and that's the only way Rabbi Yochanan would explain this. And so this doesn't really make sense because Rabbi Yochanan actually said that you would be pator. And here, this explanation, the Mishnah, Rabbi Yochanan says that you're chayev. So the Gemara says, Misam same my time of pator. Why did Rabbi Yochanan say that he's not liable if he makes the thorns only on his property? Isn't this like a case of a pit in someone's property? And again, remember, one of the things we mentioned about this parak yesterday, or two days ago, excuse me, is the idea that sort of like they're always going to try to go back to those original cases of shore, bore, fire, like everything is relatable back to another case. So they want to say that that is like having a bore in your property. Rabbi Yochanan basically says that when the Torah says you're chayab for a pit, it has to be a pit that's in the Rashud HaRabim. Alma Mafir Nizikab Chayab. So we see here that according to Rabbi Yochanan, somebody who declares his some, you know, his thing that's a hazard, right, ownerless, is actually Chayab, right? The idea is, is that even if those thorns are facing the public domain. Right, you can't say that you don't owe them because they're in public and you're going to be chayav. So, this seems to be opposite of what the Gemara had been saying up until now. That Rabbi Yochanan would say that ownerless dam hazards are chayav, are pator. Really, based on his interpretation of the next Mishnah, it would seem that they're chayav. So, the Gemara says, No, I will say to you that according to Rabbi Yochanan, Someone who declares his hazards ownerless is not chayav, he's pator. my time of pator. But why in this case of somebody who had the thorns of his fence just within his property, why is he not chayav? Mishum because he, he basically rules this because it was said in that case, that the owner of the fence wouldn't be liable because people don't usually rub themselves against the owner of the fence people against the damage that would come. This would be unusual for somebody to damage those thorns. thorns, But people don't, uh, you know, against walls. So again, so Rabbi, so the Gemara again goes back to that Rabbi Yochanan would say, that you are pator for uh, ownerless for ownerless hazards. Umi ama Rabbi Yochanan hachi, and Yochanan really say this. Rabbi Yochanan halacha kisam mishnah. Right when Rabbi Yochanan says, why Rabbi Yochanan says that the law, you know, the halacha follows the opinion of an anonymous utsnan. Right. Quote another mishnah here. What they're and this is going to be a mishnah that's actually on on nun amud bet. Somebody digs a pit in the Rashuda Rabbim, and then somebody else's ox or donkey falls in it and dies. Chayef, he's liable. So this Mishnah, what it's saying is that somebody is is responsible for a pit that you dig in the Rashus in the Rashus Rabbim. So Rabbi Yochanan, right, always rules according to an anonymous Mishnah, and so he does hold that somebody would be responsible for this type of pit. In other words, if you dig a pit in a Rishus Harabim, it's ownerless because you can't own anything that's in the Rishus Harabim. 
And so that's basically an ownerless hazard. And this uh, Mishnah, this Mishnah, right, this anonymous Mishnah, which Rabbi Yochanan always holds by an anonymous Mishnah, this anonymous Mishnah basically says that you are Chayab if you dig such a pit and somebody, you know, and an animal falls in it and dies. So it actually does seem like Rabbi Yochanan does hold that you are liable, you are Chayab for this type of thing. So now the Gemara basically says, Elali Olam Rabbi Yochanan Amar Chayab. So it must be, when they go back to this original Machlokas between Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi it must be Rabbi Yochanan who holds that you're Chayab for ownerless objects and not Rabbi Elazar. So now they're going to say, okay, so what about Rabbi Elazar's opinion? It means Rabbi Yochanan Amar Chayav. So if it's Rabbi Yochanan who says that you're Chayav, Rabbi Elazar Amar Pator. Then Rabbi Elazar must be the one who says that you're Pator. Baha Amar Rabbi Elazar. Did Rabbi Elazar say that? Mishum Rabbi Yishmael, in the name of Rabbi Yishmael, right? And so here they're quoting uh, what was uh, mentioned uh, before on this stuff, right? That there are two things that aren't in a person's possession. This was a statement that was said before that Rabbi Elazar quoted in the name of Rabbi Yishmael, where we got the idea that he would say that you're Chayab, right? A pit in the public place. Say that you are Chayab, you know, for somebody who... Wait, trying to now reverse the opinion and say Rabbi Elazar is going to say that he had a statement that in the name of Rabbi Yishmael that clearly says you would be Chayab. How does it resolve it? So it says low kasha. It's not a difficulty. Hadita, this opinion, right, that one is not responsible for ownerless hazards is his own. Hadirabe, whereas this opinion, right, where he says that one is responsible is his teacher's. When he says that you're responsible, it's not his actual opinion, but he's really just teaching his uh, teacher's opinion. I think that's a very interesting way for the Gemara to answer this Machlogas. I know I read to the top of the dot, because they're not really bringing a ton of itic proof, right? They're not, they don't really have a proof for it. Like Rabbi Yochanan, they really work through a lot of other Mishnahs. Rabbi Eliezer, they're just Rabbi Eliezer. They're basically saying, we can't really say it. So it must be that one was his teacher and one was his opinion. But I'm fascinated by the fact that like, they don't bring an actual ton of itic proof for that. I'm also a little surprised that nobody comes forward and says, I was there and this is what he said. Yeah, I, I, the whole way that it's resolved is very strange to me. It's like, it, it's a strange, it, it's the only way they can resolve it, and yet there's no proof, and they totally just accept it. That's our DAF discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Rank us, review us where you get your podcast. Come talk to us on our Facebook page and tell us what you think of this stuff. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. And until tomorrow, go and learn.